forgiveness. Now, there's a subject we have to come back to over and over again. And I think sometimes it falls off the table because simply we struggle sometimes for our, our own understanding of being forgiven for what we've done. But I think uh, to a large extent, often because we also might have to forgive someone uh, and deal with a relationship that is difficult. And so um, we need to come back to this issue of forgiveness over and over again. And as C.S. Lewis says, we need to polish it up. In fact, it was quite interesting, about 16 or 17 years after his conversion to Christianity, he wrote a piece on forgiveness. And in it he says, he, it suddenly slowly but surely dawned on him that this issue of forgiveness was something that kept cropping up. In the Lord's Prayer, we, we uh, pray, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I think he was in the habit of praying that every night. And then it suddenly, he suddenly realized that even with the creeds, there is this line that's in there, along with the giving of the Holy Spirit and the um, divinity of the Son, that we talk about our forgiveness of sins. And if we allow this to um, become something that is not uh, looked at consciously and carefully and often, it can really stifle and um, freeze our relationship and our growth. And so today I want to look just simply at a few issues as far as forgiveness is concerned. And I read to you from Matthew 18, beginning in verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times, or some, some translations put 70 times seven. doesn't really matter. It's a lot. And then he tells the story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Now, that 10,000 talents could be um, uh, something like 70 bags of gold or 10 million pounds or whatever. It's just a huge amount. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had, been, all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, a hundred denarii was around about a day's wage, insignificant in terms of what he has just been forgiven. And he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. And Jesus used the exact same words that he's just used. And he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. When the master called the, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all the debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? 
In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven those that um, we have that have a debt against us. What did we say? As we have also forgiven our debtors. Now, clearly, Jesus, not just on this occasion, but on others, links the fact that we are forgiven and we are forgiven a huge debt and that we are in turn to forgive those who sin against us, the ones that uh, are our debtors. And he links it. Essentially, if we can't find ourselves forgiving others, we can't expect to be forgiven, is what he's saying. If you can't, if you haven't grasped the depths and the power of the forgiveness that you have received, the enormity of your forgiveness, uh, then you will probably not forgive others. And so there's this, there's this almost link between the two. And we have to come back over and over again to looking at the fact that God's forgiveness is always on offer to us, and it's unreserved, it's complete, it's utter. But he's saying, if you cannot pass that on, if you can't live in the freedom and the fullness of all that you've been forgiven, that you've been set free from, if you don't realize the change that it's made, it has opened up relationship for you, not only with God, but with yourselves and with all those around us. The question really is, have you actually changed? So this parable is saying that um, if you can't forgive others, then you probably haven't really understood the kind of significance, the power, the enormity of the debt that you have been forgiven. And forgiveness is that we understand what we have been forgiven and that we are set free, that we are free to forgive ourselves and we are free to forgive others. If we haven't really received it, then it's difficult to pass it on. And so we get into, uh, in a way, by not passing it on, we come into a situation. When we receive it, we pass it on and it creates a spiral of um, receiving forgiveness, passing it on, receiving forgiveness, passing it on. And there is a kind of um, healthy thing about that. But when we hold on to and not receive forgiveness, when we don't give forgiveness, we get a, 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 a spiral in the opposite direction, if you like. One of the questions that comes up often about forgiveness is, well, you know, can God actually forgive? I, I've sinned too often or I've done something that's too much. So, God always begins, let's make this clear, where you are now, what it is that you're facing now, dealing with the thing that's actually on the table at the moment, the thing that is right in front of your eyes. And his purpose, his love, his person, his desire for your life never ever changes. And you can turn to him right at this moment, now, and what he's really wanting and waiting for is for you to come to him and say do you know what i really messed up i think honesty is a huge part um, repentance and we use all these lang the, the language of of uh, the bible but 
It's about being desperately honest about who we are and where we are at a particular moment. Jesus tells another story on another occasion about this young man who grabs the enormous inheritance that his father has for him. And we're not going to go into the whole of that now. We call it the parable of the prodigal son. But there's a point in the story at which he comes to a place where he, he comes to his senses. He comes to a realization of the fact that by continuing in this state, he's doing damage to himself. And forgiveness or unforgiveness or a willing unwillingness to be forgiven is in exactly like that. So he picks himself up and he comes back to the Father with very low expectations. He comes back saying, make me as one of your hired hands. He's expecting perhaps a lecture from his dad. And what he receives is arms flung wide open. And you know the rest of the story with the robe and the ring and the fatted calf and the party that he gets given. But the father says, you are my son. And he brings him back in and incorporates him and forgives him. An enormous debt. And I think that's how we've got to see ourselves as, as in relationship to God. What he longs for and he's looking for is for us to, to be completely honest about where we are and the way we behave and what our motivations are and what's churning inside us and what we struggle with. He knows anyway. And we need to come with what's actually on the table in this day and deal with the stuff that's in front of us right now. And God responds by, by, by welcoming us with open arms. As the uh, Matthew 18 passage that we read, he, he forgives debts that we cannot possibly repay on our own. And we know that, we need to know perhaps, that nothing will ever change. That's how God deals with us. That's how he looks at us. His purpose towards us is that we should flourish, that we should live full lives, that we should experience his love and his acceptance, his forgiveness, his reconciliation. And whenever we move slightly towards him, he jumps in and says, done, you set free. Because that's what forgiveness is. It's being set free to live in the fullness of everything that the Father has for us. But how do we do it? It's not just uh, an easy thing, and, and, and it's, it's never been an easy thing, the, the question of both receiving and giving forgiveness. And I have told a story before, but let me, um, let me tell it again. But there is a, a man that I met some years back when I was in uh, Northern Ireland preaching, and he told me a story about um, his life. And it goes back to the early part of the 1990s in South Africa. Um, Nelson Mandela had been set free from uh, prison. Um, there were negotiations in process. The ANC had been unbanned. Um, and not everybody was thrilled with this. There were splinter groups um, uh, that had at one stage been part of the military wing of the ANC, who the Azanian People's Liberation Army was one of them. And in 1993, just a short while before those historic elections, while all of this um, movement from um, one form of government into a new uh, era of democracy was taking place, not long before that, four members of the APLA group, the Azanian People's Liberation Army, broke into 
a church in Cape Town, St. James. And with hand grenades um, and uh, automatic weapons, they opened fire on the Sunday morning worshippers. Five minutes before they burst into the building, the children had been led out to their, to their various um, activities. And that day, 11 people died. Um, 58 people were seriously injured. And it, it caused shockwaves throughout, um, certainly the church community, but throughout the country. These were people at worship. And things were moving in a direction that, that was really looking uh, healthy and positive for the first time in decades. The man that I met in, um, in Ireland had been there that day as a young boy. His mother and father um, were stalwarts of that particular congregation. had been sitting in the front of the church. His mother took a bullet to the chest and she died about an hour later. She was buried a few days later on her birthday. He saw it happen. And he said to me that he had struggled for years with this whole concept of forgiveness. There was his mother, a loving person, a, a woman who had struggled with cancer on, on a couple of occasions and, and conquered that. A, 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 a lady who had set up mission work amongst the the sailors in, in Cape Town, and was particularly, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, she had particular um, success with Russian-Ukrainian sailors. In fact, the week before this event, there'd been um, a service where 72 sailors had made a public profession of faith in Jesus. This lady was, was serving God. She was living a life of... Um, a mother and a, uh, um, a wife and just cut short. In 1994 we had the elections and very shortly after that the Truth and Reconciliation Commission was set up, uh, chaired by Bishop Tutu. And the men who had been involved in this massacre um, applied for amnesty. And this man said that it was so difficult to forgive. And he had struggled, um, and, and I won't go into all the details of his emotions and all the stuff that he grappled with, but you can imagine. And he said there came a moment where he, he, he verbalized his willingness to forgive these men for murdering his mother. And he said there was this sense of almost euphoria of, of release, of being set free. It was, it was such a liberating moment. It was, it was a, a seminal point in his journey with God. And he said that then a little while later, his mother had been buried on her birthday, and it, I think it was her birthday, it was Christmas, I can't remember exact details now, but essentially there was some uh, big life event during the calendar year, and all these feelings came roaring back up at him. And he said he was exceptionally confused because he thought this was done and dusted. He'd put it to bed. He'd forgiven them. He'd uttered the words and he'd sensed this incredible release. And again, it took him a while to come to terms with this thing of, of the fact that it, 
It doesn't deal with it all at once. It's not just a simple um, amputation and, and then the past is gone. All the, the fullness of everything that's part of the past is still there. Our history doesn't disappear. And he said, and this is the point of this, he said that he learned that forgiveness wasn't a simple act of once and then done. And the reality of the 70 times 7 for him was that there were many, many times where he had to see that this had come back into his life and again get on his knees and say, forgive me, Father, for this, but I forgive them as well. It's an ongoing struggle. It's a battle. It's something that we have to face day by day. And I think the early church fathers put this into the creed for that particular reason. Jesus makes it central to our understanding of what it is and what it means to pray. That, that, that forgiveness is at the core of what it means to address our Father. It's clear that if we haven't really understood what it is, then we probably can't forgive those that have sinned against us, that are our debtors. And we could go into a whole lot of stuff today, but I, I know that there are some things that people struggle with. There are huge things where things have happened in the past, and no one's minimizing any of the, of the deep and profound things that people suffer and, and have, to, have to grapple with. And it may be that it's really difficult. It may be that it's something that you have um, really struggled with all your life. But we have to make a start. And somewhere we have to say, Father, forgive them. Now, if you battle with that, then I think the first thing to do is to say that we hold these people, we just hold them in prayer. There's not, it's not something that, as I've, I've tried to explain now, is, is suddenly over because we've made one profession. Sometimes this is a struggle that goes on and on. But this young man in Ireland told me that over many years it had come to be a place where the healing had come and developed and, and become part of his life and that forgiveness had become part of his, his routine before God, if you like. And that's the point. Forgiveness may happen in one split second, but more than likely it's going to be a process, a journey, and that we have to start with where we are. And how do we start? We start by being honest and saying, I don't even know if I can forgive, but can I pray for these people, or this person, or this situation? And what happens as we bring it, as we, as we make it part of the rhythm of our normal daily experience, where we pray the Lord's Prayer, where we are conscious of the need to forgive and to be forgiven, that it becomes part of something that is bedded into who we actually are. When it comes to the big things, we have a track record, we have a practice that is a daily practice. And I want to suggest that perhaps one of the ways in which we deal with forgiveness on a regular basis is as we come to the end of a day, when we come to that part of the evening where we're settling down and giving our day to the Lord and, and praying as we go to sleep. 
to just cast your mind back through the interactions, the conversations, the relationships that we've had during the day. And just ask, is there any unfinished business? Is there stuff that is, is prickling, that uh, needs to be sorted, that can't be left to lie, that we can't just sweep under the carpet? Were there things during the day that I didn't do perhaps what I should have? Where we need to pray to be forgiven. And where we need to perhaps put things back in place and restore relationship. Because I think at the base of it, all sin is a rupture of relationship. And so very simply today, I want to hold this whole thing of forgiveness back out. And by no means is this a complete um, look at the various passages where Jesus talks about forgiveness or the understanding of forgiveness. Really what I'm hoping to do is simply put it out here and say, is there something, is there something in your life now today as you listen to this that you need to ask God to forgive you for? Because if there is, make a start. Come like the prodigal and bring it before your father right now and say, Lord, please forgive me. But just as powerfully and perhaps as importantly, we need to also ask this question. Are there people in your circle, near or far? William Blake actually once said it. He said, it's probably easier to forgive your enemies than it is to forgive your friends. So starting with your own family and with your own circle of friends and maybe what are now past friends, ask yourself, are there people that I need to forgive? And then don't let it linger till tomorrow or even till later. Take it to the Lord right now and pray the prayer that we've all been taught to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen.